Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you for tuning in. I'm back to flying solo this week after a great conversation with Georgina Durkin last week. If you haven't listened to it, do check it out. I'm a great fan of her work. I've benefited hugely personally from her work and uh, she's a real light in the world. Um, So that episode and all my previous episodes, of course, can be accessed wherever you listen to your podcasts. So this week, I'm opening by posing a question. Are you a corporate mystic? Now, there's a phrase. It's a, it's a theme I've been toying with for a while. And I came across the actual term in a favorite book of mine only a week or two back, um, Unconditional Success by Nick Williams. Now, Nick, who's a good friend of mine, has written over 20 books and counting. And I've I read Unconditional Success several times. It's been out about 20 years and I dip in and out of it every so often. You know, the way you can have a book that's just like that. And the phrase corporate mystic was just the title of a, of a small chapter, not even chapter. It was a subheading. But the 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 term intrigued me. So I, as ever, did a little bit of research on it and discovered that there was a book titled The Corporate Mystic by Gay Hendricks and Kate Ludman that came out in 1996. Like that's 25 years ago. I'd not come across it. I've not read it. But my goodness, I wish I'd come up with the title for it. Um, and the name or the author of that book, Gay Hendricks, that name was familiar to me, but I'd not read any of his previous books, but I recognised it because I think he's the producer and the writer, a contributor to the Louise Hay movie, You Can Heal Your Life. But if you think about it, 25 years ago, when that term corporate mystic maybe was first used, it was very cutting edge. It was really ahead of its time. You know, this was the era of the celebrity manager You know, we think maybe of Jack Welch and GE, you know, we think of ego driven management, male and, you know, the hero form of leadership concepts such as leading from the heart and not just the head uh, was quite trailblazing. You know, when I think back to that time, because I worked in the corporate world back then, you know, and the organization I was in, which I'm sure was quite typical for many Many companies, you know, the the management were all men. They're all men of maturing years, put it that way. And I remember the management suite was on the fourth floor of the building we were in. Uh, You couldn't go into that suite unless you had permission or the code or given the code. Um, They had a separate bathroom, which you weren't allowed to use if you were just a, a normal member of staff. It was almost like apartheid when it came to bathroom facilities. And I even remember back then, it's funny what pops to mind that, uh, you know, that one of the managers didn't like internal memos being signed off with the phrase kind regards or regards. He just felt it wasn't formal enough. And of course, they were all addressed as Mr. You know, and that's only 20 odd, 25 years ago, you know, and how the world has changed since then. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm going to speak in a little while about why organizations need corporate mystics or enlightened leaders is a phrase I'll also use. But at the heart of this week's episode, I'm going to take you through the qualities of being a corporate mystic. Now, I would hazard a guess that if you tune in regularly to my podcast, follow me on social media, read my monthly community newsletter, you know, maybe even have dipped in and out of some of my books, well, you're probably a corporate mystic at heart or at minimum a corporate mystic in embryo. 
But let me start by asking, well, what is a mystic? You know, so you might be thinking of a monk, a hermit living in a cave in the desert, a guru in an ashram. You might even be thinking of Yoda from Star Wars. You know, Richard Rohr, a spiritual writer, a Franciscan friar who I admire, defines a mystic as someone who has moved from belief systems to inner experience, someone who has reached a level of freedom and inner knowing that resides on the far side of limiting beliefs. I love Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward, and he also speaks about how the mystic interprets reality truthfully, helpfully and with humility. You know, as I see it, the mystic's journey is a natural journey of personal development and involvement. It's a path that can be undertaken by anyone, anytime. It's not about retreating into the wilderness or being like Yoda with pithy, sage-like phrases and distilled wisdom. It's an aspiration. You know, we're all reaching for the archetype of the fully liberated human being. So why do organizations need corporate mystics or why perhaps are we finding more quote unquote corporate mystics in organizations? You know, well, if we think about the changes in the world of work in recent times, I've spoken before about how organizations really only came into existence at the time of the Industrial Revolution, which is getting on for about 300 years now. That's when management as a discipline came into being. Leadership, of course, has been around for as long as people have gathered in tribes and marched into battle. You know, industrial era organisations have clear hierarchies. They've established processes. Managers determine direction. They give orders and workers follow the rules, the written and unwritten rules that are enshrined in corporate culture. In today's complex and fast-changing world, employees are being asked to show creativity, to shape solutions to new complex problems and challenges. Empathy and engagement are key. Qualities such as resilience, autonomy, creativity and empathy, they cannot be mandated by a boss. These more complex ways of behaving and interacting can only be attained by self-aware, self-managing people. Doubly so at this time of working from home or hybrid working. Wearing our leadership hats, we know that there is a shift away from the leader as team captain, that hero style of leadership, you know, that at extremes is all about authority and a paternalistic culture towards the leader as coach, you know, and a culture that is collegiate and democratic, more constellation as opposed to hierarchy. Working relationships are adult to adult as opposed to employer, employee or parent child. About 10 years ago, Deepak Chopra wrote a book, The Soul of Leadership, and I went through it again in prep for this week's episode. I took it off the shelf and I had a glance through it and see what I'd underlined. And he uses the term enlightened leadership, which for me brings us into the same space as being a corporate mystic. Though, of course, you don't have to be in a traditional leadership role to be a corporate mystic or indeed an enlightened leader. You know, let's remember that old definitions of leadership was all about power and the execution of power. The, the language was the language of war, and it's still the vernacular in the majority of companies. We've all heard and maybe even uttered phrases such as, you're killing it, hammer it out. I went in all guns blazing. I owned the meeting. He shut it down. We crushed it. I smashed it. Let's wrestle with it. They're the target audience. Knock them dead. You know, when you put them all together, you can feel how harsh, even aggressive that language is. It's business as war, corporate soldiers marching into battle. 
this old form of leadership exalts power and we don't need to have read Machiavelli to know that it's a short distance from exalting power to the abuse of that power. You know, what happens then is that we'll begin to witness the three toxic A's, anger, authoritarianism and aloofness. If old forms of leadership was all about power for enlightened leaders and corporate mystics, it's all about empowerment, enhancing other people's self-esteem, not crushing it. In the past, if the end justified the means, we are waking up now to the high cost of some of the means employed in the pursuit of goals, profit or shareholder value. What sacrificed, ignored or discounted along the way and the lasting negative consequences of some actions can just be too high a price to pay. For the corporate mystic, the means must be compatible with the end. The journey is as important as the destination. The corporate mystics, the enlightened leaders and managers know that they only achieve with and through their team. So as a result, they don't see their staff as mere functionaries tasked with following orders. They view their teams as sets of diverse individuals, each with their own unique blend of motivation and skills. Therefore, they make the effort to get to know their colleagues as people, not just as tenants of roles. They look for the good in people and are interested in bringing out the best in people. They see the potential in others. So let me delve in and explore the qualities of corporate mystics as I see them. There are six that I'll take you through. You know, can you recognize yourself in any of them or all of them? Or perhaps you can see it reflected in other people that you work with or have worked with. So the first one is that level of comfort between commerce and spirituality. You know, corporate mystics are comfortable incorporating their spirituality into all aspects of their lives, including their working lives. They might be people who've maintained a spiritual connection all their lives or reconnected later in life as a way of rebalancing, often after placing too much emphasis on the material world. I know for me, I grew up in a religious household and I can still see the benefit of religion and how it's such a comfort and solace, particularly at tough times. There are so many positive and loving aspects to church and community that can be easily discarded. But my interest in spirituality, true spirituality, really only started when I got serious about taking ownership of my life and the life I wanted to create for myself. I've always been interested in personal development. You know, that goes back to even when I was a teenager. And for me, and I think it's the same for many others too, what starts as personal development often evolves into spiritual development. Now I would classify myself as a spiritual seeker, someone who is open to the miracles of life and the, the miracle that life is. You know, I'm reminded of the spiritual writer and speaker, Caroline Mace, and I've heard her speak a few times and I've read many of her books, but she says that she's seen and experienced and benefited so much from her spiritual life and her belief in God or a higher power to park it or water it down just so others without the same belief don't feel uncomfortable. Now, that is certainly the approach of a corporate mystic. Uh, Oprah, of course, famously says that you cannot live a truly fulfilled life without a spiritual dimension to it. And from my experience, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. The second quality of a corporate mystic is all wrapped up in integrity and authenticity, as I see it. You know, I think every organization out there has a value statement that includes the word integrity. I don't think I've come across one yet that doesn't. You know, the first and the most common definition of integrity is being honest and having strong moral principles. But the second definition of integrity uh, is the state of being whole and undivided. 
And I like that definition. We're aligned within ourselves. We make, we've made peace with all aspects of ourselves, including the shadow side. We even perhaps send love to those parts of ourselves that are crying out for love. That state of being whole and undivided brings us into the realm of authentic leadership. A corporate mystic or an enlightened leader doesn't have to be educated on authentic leadership because it's simply who they are. You know, they cannot be anything other than who they are, whole and undivided. Another quality of the corporate mystic is their ability to take a higher view or a broader perspective. So what do I mean by that? Well, with curiosity and creativity, the corporate mystic uses reasoning, the rational mind, as well as their intuition to see and hear and acknowledge all perspectives. It's perhaps that sense of connection with intuition, harnessing the wisdom of the heart and the gut, not just the head, that separates them from the rational corporate man or man as machine, as it were. Corporate mystics are creative souls, lateral thinkers. They can see new paths around problems view situations or challenges from a higher perspective. As Buddha would say, they can find a third way. It's not either or, but perhaps both, or new, or different. They view the situation through a a different, more enlightened, usually a more loving and inclusive lens, because they've learned to see with new eyes. Corporate mystics are visionaries. They remain curious about life and people, but they stay grounded in the here and now. The next quality of the corporate mystic is one I think you would probably have guessed, and that's inspiration. Corporate mystics are enlightened leaders because they are connected with their own sources of inspiration and, of course, are inspiring to others. Let's remember that the word inspire comes from the Latin root to breathe and spirit. So when you inspire others, you bring them into the spirit of your vision. I see inspiring leaders as corporate mystics because they reach for their own potential and they encourage the same in everyone that they encounter. When I think back over leaders I've admired, people I've worked with, you know, it's not just that they've been a wonderful mentor or a source of inspiration to me. By and large, we formed lasting bonds. They're the kind of leaders that I hold in my heart. And that would be a quality of a corporate mystic as well. Another quality is that of the dignity of the individual and and recognizing or always honoring the dignity of the individual. Perhaps this follows on from that sense of integrity and authenticity I spoke about. Uh, But a corporate mystic is always focused on the dignity of the person. And this is not based on title. I'm reminded of photos of Barack Obama, you know, hugging or chatting away with or high-fiving porters or cleaners that he's encountered. He gave, you know, the same attention to porters, the same respect as he would to presidents and prime ministers because his focus is on the dignity of the person. When we're in this space, we don't have to be educated on diversity. You know, I think it's funny when I think of the different leaders in the public eye that I admire or that most people admire, the names that come up time and time again, from the Obamas to Nelson Mandela to Gandhi to even Oprah. You know, it's their humanity, their respect for people that shines true. And it's that quality that we tend to admire most in them. The last quality of a corporate mystic is really around how they view work and the purpose of work. Traditionally, businesses exist to make a profit. Whilst corporate mystics are comfortable in the world of business and finance, for them, work is more than just making a profit or providing for material needs. The work environment is a space to build community and a sense of belonging. 
you know, work itself is a vehicle for self-discovery and lifelong learning. Well, it's not everyone can turn their passions into their profession, maybe at least in the short term, that can be tricky. Uh, the corporate mystic sees this as a noble aim, a noble pursuit. Of course, they encourage others to play to their strengths and to, ste and to step into the best of themselves. Corporate mystics approach, approach all aspects of their lives, including work, with enthusiasm. And if we go to the root of the word enthusiasm, back to the Greek, in theos, which translates as in God. Recently, I was working with a client who had worked for many years in the public sector, and it was an interview skills coaching session. And as ever, we teased out, you know, what were his reasons for applying for this role or this promotion and his motivation for it. And his answer floored me. He said, very simply, it was because he was a public servant and to be of service to the public. You know, his response was so simple, so elegant, so right. Uh, so pure almost, you know, to make contributions and to make a difference to society. Um, whilst, you know, I was aware that being of service without being servile is, of course, a key component of fulfillment. But to hear someone just say it so succinctly, I found quite moving. And I think the corporate mystics out there would agree with that, too. So as we move towards close, let me pose that question again. Are you a corporate mystic? Have you seen yourself reflected in some of those qualities that I've shared? Of course, you don't have to be working in the corporate world. You may have your own business or you may actually currently be in career transition to identify with some of those qualities. Because what I've been speaking about is not about what you do, it's who you are. Your sense of inspiration, being creative, being authentic. You know, if they're the driving forces of your life, well, perhaps you are a corporate mystic. Whilst you might work hard, you are fascinated by ease, collaboration, mastery, going with the flow, vibration, manifestation, you know, rather than the drudgery or the striving until you arrive. The corporate mystic knows that there is no dare to get to. Uh, there is only now. Uh, when you have a spiritual dimension to your life, you can draw on the underlying universal field of consciousness, the unlimited wisdom of the soul. You're a leader without needing to seek followers, but followers will gravitate towards you anyway because your light is shining brightly. I think it was Deepak Chopra who said, in the deeper reality of the soul, leaders and followers create each other. Now, that's a deep concept to close on, but many of us will have gotten glimpses of that, summarized with the phrase, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, or as is often the case too, from my experience, when the teacher is ready, the student appears. So I hope you enjoyed my musings this week on a topic that fascinates me. It's one close to my heart. Now, for the week ahead, can you give yourself permission to own every aspect of you and show up whole and integrated? If, this, if you enjoyed this week's episode, you might be kind enough to send me a comment or give me a rating or share it with someone you believe might find it a worthwhile listen. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't already done so, so that you don't miss any episodes. So I'm James Sweetman. Thanks as ever for tuning in and for uh, listening to my musings on corporate mysticism. And until next week.